listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love, your host. Thanks for joining me on episode 159. Make sure that you go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. I can't believe it, 159 episodes where we have some significant experts on client development. There's authors that you've heard of before, speakers, consultants, business professors. But today we're talking to someone that I think has a lot more credibility than all that. This is someone that's in the trenches every single day, and her name is Kim Rennick. Kim is the Director of Client Relations for Covington & Burling, which is a world-class global law firm. Before that, she worked at another world-class global law firm, Allen & Overy, as the Chief Marketing and Business Development Officer for the Americas. She's also worked at firms like Shook Hardy at DLA Piper, which is one of the largest law firms in the world. But one thing that's really different about Kim compared to other marketing and BD people I've met within the legal industry is that she's done real sales before. She sold at Thomson Reuters. She was a solution sales executive. So this is someone that's done B2B sales and has sold professional services at a very high level. So I think she's got a really good perspective, regardless of the industry in which you work. What she has to share today will apply directly to what you do. Our topic title for today is Playing the Long Game. And I want you to make sure that you connect with Kim. Go to the show notes wherever you hear this podcast. You'll find her LinkedIn profile there and send her a note. And by the way, give us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. And make sure you mention Kim by name if you get some ideas that she shares with you today. That's all that we ask. Thank you so much. This show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions. Legal Intelligence, Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now here's my conversation with our guest and my friend, Kim Rennick. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. Our topic title today is Playing the Long Game in Business Development. And our special guest is Kim Rennick. Kim, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Scott. I'm happy to be here. You bet. And I like I like the way you have your perspective about playing the long game in business development. And I've seen a lot of people, I'm sure you have too, where they're just so short-sighted. But let me ask you this. What have you seen has been your overarching strategy when you have a client prospect? Uh, how are you actually playing that long game? Kind of tell me what your general thoughts are about that. My general thoughts, are not that this is a relationship business or that relationships are important. My general belief is that relationships are everything. It's at the heart and center of literally everything and all we do in life. And I think that in order to develop a relationship with another human being or group of people, there's no real formula other than leading with your heart, coming to the table with authenticity. And by doing that, I think that it, relationships just take time. Right. It takes time to develop trust with other people. And so I think that, you know, in all the years I've worked in sales and business development, the focus is oftentimes on, well, you had that meeting. When's the deal going to come in? Or when right. are we going to get the proposal in front of them? And my view is that oftentimes that might take six months or a year, right. regardless of the product you're selling just because you need to be able to show up with authenticity and build trust with that person. And if you do, that relationship can lead to many different other places you right, know, beyond right. the deal at hand. 
Let me ask you this and kind of take it in this direction. You've seen different types of organizations, especially law firms, and then even in the work you did in uh, B2B sales to the legal industry. Let's look at some business development fails. When you've yeah. seen people that you've worked with, because you've worked you know, which in significant roles in significant institutions that sell a premium service to sophisticated prospects and clients. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen when your people didn't get the deal, they didn't get the sale, they didn't get the account, however you want to phrase it. Uh, tell me about what do you think those variables were that led to them not getting the business? Uh, I think that if you were to look at the heart of all of them, it's usually a lack of authenticity on the end of the seller and mm-hmm. a lack of authenticity or truth with yourself and understanding where the person really is in the buying process Mm. and whether they really are available to make a decision or make a purchase at that point in time. Um, And I can think of one example in particular, it was another firm I worked at. We had a contact, someone who had gone in-house for a company and he was a good friend of the lawyer I worked with. They knew each other well personally. They had practiced law together at another law firm together. So, you know, the lawyer I worked with was like, okay, he works for this company now. I feel like, you know, I've met up with him three or four times. Now it's the point where I have to ask for the business. I must ask for the business, it's, which to me is also a very American concept, right? This notion of... <laughs> We must ask for the business. Otherwise, we won't get the business. So we had gone out to lunch. I I was in a client relations role at this particular law firm. And this lawyer and I, this partner and I had gone out to lunch with the the general counsel. Mm -hmm. And we had a lunch and it was particularly nice. And then we get towards the end of the meeting. And my colleague, the partner said to him, so it's time for me to ask you for the business. I'm going to ask you. Oh, I'm I sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. Are you sure this isn't a movie you're describing? No, it was real. It's time for me to ask you for the business. So I'm going to ask you for the business. And my, you can my. see this guy on the hot seat. He's totally mortified. And how does he how does he respond? And and I remember he was like, Oh, is that what this is all about? And I guess uh, I should have seen that this was coming. And it just like it took you could feel like the air go out of the balloon right yeah, in that moment, you know, nice. like fizzle. And I guess point being that I don't know that our prospect was actually at a buying place at that point in time. Then it also lost authenticity um, because because it was like, oh, I thought you just wanted to be my friend and take me out to lunch. I thought there was an implied understanding here that I would eventually give you business if I were able to. Right. Wow. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. So let me ask you this. Let's look at this scenario. And if we could walk it back, what do you think that partner should have done? If he could go back in time, what would you have suggested or what would you have envisioned him to do if it would have been played out more effectively? Well, under the rubric of playing the long game, I think there are some pieces that go with that, that go with just good business development, good relationship development, whether you're trying to drive business or just make a friend, which is bring curiosity to the table and an open heart, um, lead with your heart. So to me, what that means is curiosity and generosity. What would this person maybe need to make their life easier? And can I give it to them? I feel like so much of sales is you need to come and give things away, <laughs> yeah. you know, from, from a generosity of heart and spirit. So to me, what that would look like is 
let's have this lunch with our prospect. Mm. Perhaps we can ask him some questions just about what he's working on. Maybe it would have behooved us to do a little bit of pre-research about what's going on with that company. Perhaps if they're public, maybe you listen to their most recent earnings call or read the transcript, Mm -hmm. understand what products are in the pipeline, understand what business pains are happening with that client. And perhaps if you're really adept at it, you bring it up casually in conversation, not in a prescriptive type of way. And that would be get further conversation where that person can talk about oh, well, perhaps they even share what their metrics are or how they're, you know, the goals that they have to hit in order to get their bonus. Because again, if it's really friends, people start to open up about yeah, right. these types of things, right? So then, you know, we can go back and start saying, well, let's keep abreast of this thing is happening in the market. And perhaps we have this other person at our firm who can work on that type of matter. And perhaps we reach out to this client or our friend and say, hi, I'm just making up a name. Hi, Jeff. You know, I see that this coming down the pike. I have Susie, my partner, who's a specialist in that regulatory area. No charge. I'd love to introduce you to her. You know, perhaps there's a conversation that can be had that can make your life a little easier. So, you know, bringing opportunities and things to the table that might make their life easier before they even have to ask for it. This is great. I love that perspective, Kim. And you've probably shared, I'd say, about five key business lessons here. And I want to kind of go over some of those. Sure. And I've got another question for you related to this. And so when you talk about curiosity and generosity, tell me about someone that you have seen in action who you would say is probably one of the top five rainmakers you've ever met. And you don't need to mention that person's name, mm-hmm. but give me an example of how did that person display curiosity and and give generosity. Give me some examples of that if you could please. Well, you know, I can think about I have had a couple of sales professionals who were my managers who were just they made a huge difference in my life. (laughs) I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you if I hadn't had the opportunity to work with and for them. And they displayed curiosity by, I mean, it's I know this sounds really elementary, but they were genuinely curious in me as a human being. What's going on in my life? Who are my kids? What's keeping me busy? You know, just developing a relationship. You know, at the end of the day, we're all people. We all have Mm -hmm. happy things and trials and tribulations. We all want to talk about ourselves. We all Mm -hmm. want to be able to share the high points about our life or even low points with somebody who's willing to hear. So I'm thinking about a particular sales manager I had who just wanted to know me. Yeah. And, but then, you know, in, in getting to know me, they would follow up with me regularly, you know, our boundaries moved into text, not just, you know, formal email exchanges because she knew I could handle that right yeah, in this particular yeah. instance because this was a, a manager and subordinate relationship she knew I was able to handle that right. and not not let the relationship trans I was always respecting the boundary <laughs> that right. we had but you know she demonstrated genuine curiosity in me as a human being and then would push me you know or put things in front of me that might be helpful to me or would put things in front of me that I needed to work on or move towards. So I just think that a a really great rainmaker displays actual human curiosity in another person and provides things of value and does it with transparency over and over and over again. I think that's it. I think that encapsulates 
everything <laughs> somebody really needs to know to be truly successful. And there's there's other things where you have to come up with confidence. You've got to come up with competence and you've got to have a name, et cetera, et cetera. But you're absolutely right. And one thing I've seen, it's almost like this human curiosity. I think it's a muscle where the more you do it, the more you're good at it and the more you want to do it. Because I've noticed in the arc of my career in recruiting that I've gotten pretty deep within my niche of recruiting partners and only partners that have business that are rainmakers. And it's almost like I take the whole notion of making a placement and I put it off to the side. And I'm talking yeah. to someone that fits what I'm looking for, but I really want to know who they are, what motivates them, uh, what goals do they have, what challenges do they face? And oh, and by the way, my client can solve those. But it's almost like, I don't care if we close a deal with this. I just want to get to know you. And if I can help you, that's great. And if I can't, that's great also. And, and it's so funny when you have that perspective, if I have someone that I can't help, where maybe I could kind of push him to go forward and I'll make a placement, but he's going to quit in two years, you know, which is what you don't want, where if you don't care about the deal, you can say, I don't think you should go forward with this. It's almost like you take away the pressure of having to close, close, close when you have that curiosity. And of course, there's a funnel and we've got rails going forward and it's going to be channeled into a transaction that benefits everybody. But it's almost like what you said, curiosity, generosity, it takes the pressure off. Except disclaimer, there are quotas, you know, and you've got you've sure. to have certain metrics and KPIs you have to follow. But it's almost like that's part of your funnel. I think that's part of part of the heart of people that do really, really well. Let me ask you this. What about the concept of self-awareness? Uh, oh. What have you seen in terms of classic, very successful rainmakers, and then people that just are not, they don't get it. They don't understand people. They don't understand themselves. Tell me about that. Tell me about self-awareness. How does that impact somebody really playing the long game in business development? But I do think that self-awareness is probably the the secret sauce that makes the difference between being successful generally or moderately successful and being wildly successful yeah. is is the concept of self-awareness, which really does require somebody to, you know, I know this is all trite, we have to do the work, but to understand how you're coming across and to be able to receive feedback if you have a mentor who can tell yeah. you, you know, I really don't like your tone of voice, or I really, you know, when you say this, you know, having, having a mentor who can be honest with you. And if you're able to receive that feedback, even though it's really painful, I know. you grow from it. You know, I think about myself, just one dumb little example, but at another firm I had worked at, I had been talking a lot about my experience at my prior organization, just because it was extremely relevant to my role. But I would reference that previous organization here and there in my conversation. And I had my boss had said to me, I know that work was valuable to you, but I'm going to ask you to stop referencing that organization because it makes people feel uncomfortable because it makes them feel like maybe this is less than. And I felt so embarrassed. And it took me, honestly, like to receive that feedback took me like a week to get over it because I felt stupid. I felt like I had been like making myself look really stupid or or pompous or superior and didn't even really realize that. But then I realized like, man, he really did me a favor by telling me that and I will never make that mistake again. And so I, I think so much of being self-aware is being able to receive that feedback, process it. Yeah. 
and then move forward with that new knowledge. And under so I, I think that a really great rainmaker understands how they come across. They read human cues, I cues and body language cues mm-hmm. and take that in and adjust to it accordingly. And also understanding that, you know, I know I'm making this sound all very touchy feely because you're right, there are quotas. <laughs> there are hard metrics. It does take a fair amount of I think a Every good salesperson I've met has had plenty of failed deals and has had failed things, you know, where they've asked for the business embarrassingly or talked about their previous employer or didn't get the proposal in on time or followed up 300 times with those annoying follow-up emails of just checking in in parents on my money. (laughs) Like, and I think the best sales professionals among us have learned from those and iterated on it, largely due to self-awareness. Right. I think that's great. I appreciate your perspective on that. Let me ask you this. How do you think COVID has impacted our ability to play the long game in business development with clients and with client prospects? What do you think are some of the big changes that have come about? What, What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like we all went into hibernation mode to some degree with COVID. I think that speaking over Zoom or WebEx or Teams, it's a great tool. It's a yeah. fantastic tool in the toolbox, but it's but not it the change. only tool, yeah. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. I think about all the times as a sales professional selling software that I got on a plane and flew to Georgia for the day <laughs> to demo a product in person, to turn around and, and come back to the Washington, D.C. area. I don't miss those days. So I think that electronic, you know, video conferencing or what have you makes life and sales executives a lot. It makes their lives a lot easier. But I think that it has stunted also because I think so many people are so accustomed to this type of interaction that they forget, oh, there really is no substitute for for going and having a coffee with someone and just yeah. developing a relationship because that's who and what we are as humans. We're, we're you know, uh, social beings. And so I guess <laughs> specifically answer your question, in some ways, COVID makes, seems like it made the long game longer <laughs> or like we're just coming out of, uh, you know, I feel like we're still all processing the collective yeah. trauma that we all lived through. And, you know, for the lawyers and team members I work with, my focus is on not getting back to what it used to be, but getting remembering who we once were and integrating these new tools we have along mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we do that effectively to combine a virtual world with in-person? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think the good thing is that and and I think I even noticed that when COVID hit, all of a sudden we were able to get real with people and we would ask them, yeah, how are you? Are you true. safe? You know, and I think it kind of brought the walls down. We And it was a bond where we all went through the same thing at the same time. And it yeah. was catastrophic. It was hard, harder for some people, even more so. And I can't believe it was the three years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Three years ago. Unbelievable. Sometimes it feels like it was maybe seven years ago. I feel the same way. Sometimes it doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it was, it felt like it was two weeks ago and 20 years ago at the same time. And yeah. uh, And I was thinking about just, you know, 
stuck at home. Our bird feeders became our focus. I actually saw 14 species of bird birds within a 20 minute period at once in our backyard. And then I thought, that's it. That's all the reminiscing I want to do. I don't even want to think about that, you know, but I know, but I think you're right. I, I do think you're, you're spot on with the technology and the ability to expeditiously get to know people better. At least it changed interviewing significantly because now it's easier to get four people to choose the same time slot than it is to get four people to choose the same time slot and same location geographically. At least you remove variables that's a great point. Things, yeah, can move things quicker. So let me ask you one, one final question here. What do you think are the pitfalls that we need to watch out for that keep us from playing that long game with our clients? What do you think is like the biggest pitfall you can think of? The belief that any act of business development, and I'm saying that broadly, uh, the belief that any small act of business development should automatically lead to a sale. And people who might be listening to this might say, well, I don't expect that. That's not true. (laughs) Most of the time, (laughs) people do expect it. You can hear it all the time. Even this notion of, well, we sent out this client alert, you know, put that in the the marketing context. We sent out a client alert. How much business did we even get from that? How can we manage to measure the ROI? And I think that's the wrong point of view because in the long game, these are valuable client touch points that we should be using to provide value to the client or to the person. It should always make their life easier. So the idea isn't to reach out to a client or a prospect or a contact, whether it's with a client alert to introduce someone else just to say hi. We should never do that with the, with the goal in mind, the short-term goal in mind of of. I'm going to get the business. It, yeah, you should right, be trying right. to make their life easier right, with right. any of this. And if you do that over and over again, you establish yourself as a trust-based person who knows and understands their business yeah. and their pains yeah. and will help to, you know, partner with them. To this solve is great. Them. Such great wisdom, Kim. So let me ask you then, if you could look at three action steps people can take to really implement some of these ideas that you're talking about, to really increase the odds of being able to effectively play that long game with their clients and their client prospects? What would those three action steps be, Kim? I think that one of them would be to prioritize relationships, period. (laughs) Prioritize relationships with other human beings in your personal life and in your professional life. And so to me, what that would mean, I guess, if you put relationships at the heart of everything is action step number one, then action step number two would be reach out, make a goal to reach out to one to three people a day. And I think that can take many different forms. It can be a text message and it could be just to your friends, right? It could be inviting a neighbor over for coffee. It could be writing a thank you note. I worked with a partner at another firm who he always kept a stack of you know, personalized letterhead, his personal letterhead. And every day he started the day every single morning by writing five thank you notes to people. He was prolific. That's fantastic. And so, you know, prioritize relationships and then reach out to people and, and develop those relationships. And I guess number three, developing curiosity as you get to know these people. Sure. There's a fine line between curiosity and stalking. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, so I'm not suggesting that you roll up on people's social media profiles and try to develop everything you know about them. But if they are with a company, it would behoove you if you're trying to develop B2B business to sign up for that company's earnings call. It's free to do yeah, that right, and right. listen to them. And then going back to step number two, if you've listened to the earnings call for you know, Acme Corporation, it's earnings season right now upon us then you can go back to step two and reach out to your contacts and say, hey, Susie, congrats on your great earnings. I saw that you have X in the pipeline. Just wanted you to know that I think that's great. And let's have coffee soon. <laughs> it, it's really that simple. This, you've got such a great approach, Kim. You've got such a great spirit. And it's obvious to me why you're very successful in what you do. Thank you for being on the show. And, and then tell us a little bit about what your role is at Covington and anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about you. Oh, sure. Thanks, Scott. I am the Director of Client Relations for Covington and Burling, uh, which, of course, is a large law firm based in Washington, D.C. And my role is I lead a team who works with our uh, lawyers who service and work with our biggest and most important client relationships across the firm. So it is our job. I oftentimes think of my team's job as, as that of good detective work, mm -hmm. uh, prospectively listening to the market listening to our client needs, keeping in mind the expertise of our partners and our firm and connecting the dots between the three. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. Great job today. I really appreciate you being here and I'd love to have you back on the show in the future, Kim. It was a pleasure, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.